When the new regulations for pools and spas came in at the end of 2020, to have regular safety barrier checks when owning a pool or a spa, it created a lot of confusion about what is expected at the time of sale or lease for a property owner. Today, we are going to find out what your responsibilities are when it comes to pool and spa safety barriers when you want to sell, buy or lease a property. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langder. Have you tried our rental property copy service? Have you got a property that's struggling to lease and a landlord who is wanting to know why? For about the price of one quarter of a week's rent, we can write copy that will bring tenants to your door and signed authorities before you know it. Go on, try Real Copyright's rental copywriting service and get those properties let. In a career spanning industry sectors, including member-based associations, hospitality, FMCG, and wholesale distribution, Chris Samatsis is now the CEO of the Master Pool Builders Association of Australia, formerly known as Sparsa Vic. He has spent the best part of 30 years in the small business sector with a particular focus on executive administration and board governance. Chris has successfully inspired organisations and the people within them to embrace a move to a superior market position. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for coming back again. How are you? I'm okay, Sue. Lovely to have you. I think last time we spoke would have been pre-COVID, 2019 or 2020. 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2020. It was, yeah, it would have been like that February, March time. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just a while. It has, definitely has (laughs) changed since then. Yeah, talking about changes, now you've had a name change from Sparsovic to the Master Pool Builders Association of Australia. Now, how did that come about? Yeah, so it's something that we've been sort of working on for the last 18 months to two years. Um, So our organisation was established back in 1961 and um, since then we've had about four name changes uh, and this is now the fifth one. So it's a bit of an evolution. And, yes. uh, you know, our brand, uh, Sparsa, it's used interstate as well. So we're just uh, starting to worry about dilution of the brand um, as we start seeing people that um, start carrying that brand that don't haven't been vetted by us, which is probably one of our biggest things that we do is we vet pool builders as they come through the system. So you can't just be a member of us um, just by stumping up your um, money. You need to go through a particular... Um, process. Um, we think that process yes. is good. It just um, creates uh, trust uh, from the community, and mm-hmm. uh, I think we think that by doing this, we've gone to another level. And you know, we try and uphold those high standards, and um, we think it's a uh, a, a very important uh, step that uh, we've taken, and it's a big part of uh, how we've evolved. So, um, and, and here we are, the Australian um, Master Pool Builders Association. Hmm. Sounds good. Yes. So, because, yeah, Sparsavik sort of has an implication that it's all just Victoria, but you really were all about Australia 
Yeah, well, so our um, yeah, so our brand, a lot of our ideas, because of, of you know we we're basically the first group to sort of get together under that name sixty years ago, and this okay. is our sixtieth anniversary. Um, so a lot of our initiatives have been um, helped others interstate take some of the things that we've done to help improve uh, those states in the swim pool and spa sector. And um, so a lot of our initiatives have been taken on board by others, and it's good if there's a good benefit out of it, um, but it's time for us to differentiate ourselves from others um, yes. and make sure that uh, people understand who we are and we just think, you know, the word, you know, that, that craftsmanship that we bring, that uh, enduring quality that our members bring to consumers and to the product that they um, create is just something special. Again, you know, we, um, we don't let anyone in, so we, you know, we think we've got the best uh, members in the country and we yep. think um, by bestowing the word master next to their name, um, it has some true authentic meaning. It's not just something that, um, a label that we've just given out lightly. So, um, yes. you know, like I said, it's been two years in the making. We've used, um, you know, outside consultants to look at the strengths and weaknesses of the whole sector. And this was the path that they uh, thought that we should go down. Yeah, here we are. Beautiful. Now, this episode's called Pool and Spa Safety Barriers and what you need to know when buying, leasing and selling a property. So since we last spoke, mm-hmm. the new pool and spa barrier safety regulations hadn't been quite implemented yet, but they have now. So how have they been received by homeowners? Yeah, look, that's a uh, interesting question, Sue. So um, <laughs> primarily it's really hard to gauge um, unless you yeah. survey people. Um, so we've got sort of like anecdotal evidence um, as people make contact with our office staff. Um, yeah. By and large, there's been a really good take-up of compliance. A lot of people want to do the right thing, and it's incredible. I mean, it's a bit like COVID now, you know, when um, it was certainly last year in the first part when um, the government came out and said, we all have to stay home, you know, most of us stayed home. You know, there'd be very, most, I would have thought, 90, 95% of people were compliant. Probably that's um, a little bit uh, being pushed out at the moment um, after two years of trying to be compliant. But generally people are very compliant and want to do the right thing. So anecdotal evidence says it's been received um, reasonably okay. There are some issues out there with people that have got some pretty old pools and they're unsure as to how their barriers, um, you know, are they still compliant? Do they, what Mm. standard do they fit into I mean, you know, we're working for standards so that people need to get their heads around all that. Yeah. Um, and certainly the, the inspectors do. Um, so, and then a couple of the standards within that have a few uh, updates. Yeah. So it's not something simple, but by and large, um, I think it's been good. It's, I think it's been well received. Yeah. And, um, yes, there will be issues like any sort of large process or large yeah. campaign you want to undertake of this nature. Yes. That involves thousands and thousands of uh, Victorians, then there will be um, on the extremities of that issues. And the people will work through it. I think government, I think councils, inspectors, everybody involved in the industry is understanding. Yes. Um, so it's, you know, they come from um, a place of wanting to do the right thing rather than looking to penalise people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Look, I think um, the main objective, when, like when I've gone to properties, um, as a copywriter, it's usually those old, disused spas sitting under a tree, which would have been mm. put in there about 
40 years ago that mm. looks like it's a swamp, but, you know. Yeah, they make good, yeah, well. Um, they make good garden well, beds. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's a good opportunity for um, those owners to now say, you know what, let's dust this thing off and let's um, give it a go. I mean, there's a whole new yeah. wellness regime or um, that's just impacted the world, believe it yes. or not. I mean, the, the growth in health and wellness has just been exponential. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's worldwide. I mean, we've got spa retailers that have never been busier. Some of them are just booked out till middle of next year. Um, they're exporting. We've got manufacturers that manufacture here and export into Europe. And they're just totally, absolutely flat out busy. Yeah. So these are... So maybe it's a, a, an opportunity for some of these people to dust off these things, clean yep. them up, fire them up, um, put a barrier around them yep. and um, start life. enjoying some wellness and health and getting there and enjoying, you know, the good life. It's like a holiday, isn't it? <laughs> well, staycation's a massive theme at the moment. Oh, it um, is, isn't it? Is, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah, definitely. Now, talking about that, I've seen some pretty amazing ideas when it comes to <laughs> safety barriers, when it comes to pools. So some people are putting things like uh, making pools out of shipping containers and then the height of the shipping container is actually high enough to be considered a safety barrier. And mm-hmm. and then they put these deep ditches in so that little kids can't reach it from the outside. And, and like some really amazing uh, yeah. versions of a safety barrier without looking like those steel colour bond kind of fences that can make your backyard look a little bit ugly. <laughs> yeah. Look, the more, um, look, fencing, um, look, tubular fencing yeah. is what you're talking about. I mean, that's still widely used, believe it or not. Um, I'm sure it is, yeah. Um, I've seen some really unique designs these days. I see that fin-type design where yeah. it's not necessarily tubular fencing, but it's a, it's it's an upright fin, um, yeah. obviously no greater than um, 100 mil apart. So, you know, um, people can't get through or kids can't sort of squeeze yeah. through. But it's, it gives um, it an optical illusion that you've actually got no fence there the way, like depending yeah, on which angle well, yeah. you're looking and, at and it. And if you look at it from an angle, it's got this, you know, it's a nice, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting look. It's, it's, yeah. I actually, I actually, that I like. Now, glass yeah. fencing has been used, used extensively. Oh, it you is, You can actually yeah. see everything and, and that can be really effective. Yeah. Um, but yes, you're talking about um, spas, uh, pools and spas that come out of the ground. Yeah. Um, and they utilise, um, you know, the wall of that particular product um, as a barrier because it's mm. greater than the, the 1,200 height. Yes. And uh, look, in most cases, sometimes they've got infinity edges. Yeah. So, and if the land, again, it, it really depends on um, the land. Yes. And so if you've got a land that slopes away, you're always going to have that fall away so that particular product then pool or spa is built on um, with one area of that wall uh, extruding out of the ground. And look, the engineering component is, um, it's amazing what they can do these days. Some of the other things we've noticed is um, sunken fire pits, which you may have alluded to. So that sort of sunken lounge field. Well, that's become a bit of a feature now. And uh, we've seen many examples of that. So it's become a total backyard revolution if I can call it that um, where the social capital and family capital that's been designed into the whole space from the moment you walk into your backyard it's uh, just amazing you know we're seeing some great designs and people are um, 
like I said, you know, you look at some of the photos and it's amazing what they can come up with. Yeah. Um, and they and they design. It's an end-to-end design, if I can call it that. So they look at your, um, you know, walk out that alfresco area, that backyard, and they say, right, that they use the space. How is that? How will all that interact with the alfresco area? Mm. Uh, where do people need to walk? How much space and room do you need to have a banana lounge in or yeah. um, a, little, a little area where you can sit down? Do you need a fire pit? Where should that be located? Where's the spa going to be located yeah. with all this and all, all, all those design elements that um, have all been sort of um, de rigueur with uh, homes for many, many decades are now um, certainly uh, flowing into the backyard and that whole backyard revolution. You've got the landscapers come in on that as well and all of a sudden you end up with an end product which is just beautiful and yeah. you've just added another how many hundreds of thousands of dollars to your, um, to your home. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I must admit, I did see one. Oh, it was a, a decent sized property in Brighton, um, where they had the pool in the front yard. When I mean decent sized property, I'm talking. Mm. I think it was like half an acre or something. Um, mm. And instead of fencing the pool off, they just fenced the entrance of the the, the doors essentially. So it basically oh. was a just like a meter by probably two meters by a metre, just fenced the door off so that you still had this okay. big sprawl of space. And then they had another backyard yeah. for the kids to play. Yeah, yeah. look, it's um, the use of space. I mean, some of them, I mean, you talk about, I mean, what I think you said half an acre, but, I mean, I've seen some um, incredible designs of pools in space that you think, how, yeah. how do they get a house on their little own a pool? But they do it, and this is where you know, this um, whole design element comes into it. They you know, they think long and hard about it and they play around with the space and how can they make those barriers so that, you know, they don't need a, um, you know, a whole 10 or 20 metres of fencing. Um, is there another way around it? They may need, say, a little section if they sort of design part of the room this way. So all that is taken into account and it's really sort of um, sometimes it's very much a visual thing to try and explain to your listeners. Um, you actually need to see photos of particular yeah. designs. I mean, look, your listeners can certainly jump on our website and look at our award winners and they just sort of scroll yes. through them and they'll see a whole range of different type of yeah. backyards and pools and yeah. barriers. Uh, and- the, lap pool, the, the lap pool against the side of the fence and the side yeah. of the house, you know, yeah. that's very popular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've also seen the ones where they've got the basement as well and then they put a yes. window in the pool yes. so that you can get the yeah. light from the pool into yeah, the basement. Talk about a basement. It's a wine cellar um, entertainment zone. Oh, you know? it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's some amazing yeah. designs out there yeah. that, you know, really makes yeah. people think outside yeah. the square. And it doesn't have to be yeah. a nice all, you know, yeah. the pool fence. Oh, well, no, not at all. And, and that glass that yeah. they look through, I and mean, that's like an acrylic piece, Um yeah, it's, it's so thick that you just wouldn't believe, and it weighs a ton. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's it's just a a wonderful feature. Um, obviously, if you can afford it, I mean, every every time, yeah. not not everybody can have a a basement type cellar situation with a window, no. but uh, it certainly um, sets up your entertainment zone. It just takes it to another level, it's, and uh, it yeah, does, it's beautiful. It? It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you're putting your home on the mm-hmm. market, what are the responsibilities of the owner when it comes to pool and spa safety barriers? Yeah, well, um, this is a really important one. 
And so just to yeah. be clear and so that your listeners um, understand clearly, the intent yeah. of the legislation is that um, there is enormous responsibility with the owner. You are, the owner has to yeah. ensure that their barrier is compliant. They just can't yeah. pass off that responsibility to others um, during the sale process. So um, it's really yeah. important that that message gets across so people think, oh, you know what, I'm not going to do nothing there. I'm just going to leave the, the gate broken um, and, yeah. then, you know, leave it up to the next person. No, it doesn't work like that. So the owners um, no. either have to, you know, lodge their certificate of compliance with their local council. Um, yeah. They've got to get that pool safety inspector in to check. And then, look, that, 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 that's done every four years, by the way, and that's not something that will cost yeah. them, you know, thousands of dollars. Might, I mean, I don't know what they'll charge, but it's roughly anywhere between, say, 250 to $400, depending on, you know, what that yeah. person's um, charge But essentially, like, at the moment, because most, most people got a letter to say that, you know, you've got, you know, 12 months, two years, three years to get yes, your compliance yes. done. If you're selling your property yeah. today, you should, and you've given been given the notice of three years down yeah. the track, do that compliance now, yeah, really. Well, yeah. um, have that compliance check yeah. now so that you've got that on your yeah. Section 32 yeah. and, you know, you're showing the purchasers that, you know, you've done the right Couldn't thing. agree more. I mean, for the sake of you, you're going to sell your house, I mean, the average home price in Melbourne these days is, what, eight $900,000? Um, so, you know, what's $350 if it is that, you know, to get someone out there to... Yeah. Give you the tick of, of approval, and it may. And if there's something to change, sometimes it's so minuscule. It could be just that your latch is not quite working correctly. We, look, we may have spoken yeah. about statistics last time, but I'll run through them again. I think over a 20-year period, um, up to um, this legislation, was 27 kids under the age of five have drowned. Out of that, I believe um, uh, about 20 of them um, was due to a faulty gate or the latch not working properly. So that's a massive part. Now, sometimes it's a $15 fix um, to go. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it, there shouldn't be anything blocking an owner that's ready to sell their property by getting yeah. the inspector out there to have a look at their property, tick it all off, lodge your thing with your council, um, or put it on your Section yeah. 32. As And so the incoming person knows that you've done the right thing and... Um, Away yes. you go. Yeah. Now, what are the penalties when it comes to not having a compliant safety barrier? Yeah, there's some penalties out there. Um, so, yeah. and I'll just run up through them um, and I'll just go with the um, your maximum fee for lodging. So, you know, when you lodge your barrier compliance with council, it's about $20.74. Um, your maximum yeah. fee for lodging a certificate of barrier non-compliance with the council, um, approximately yeah. $390.00. If you fail to lodge a certificate of barrier compliance by the date specified, um, the penalties yeah. are up to up to $1,817. Failure to lodge yeah. a certificate of barrier non-compliance by date specified is, again, up to $1,817. Um, okay. And failure to comply with your barrier improvement notice by the yeah. date specified, um, there's a penalty there of up to $1,817. Okay. So if you have registered your spa or pool and then decide to remove mm-hmm. it, which we don't want to do, but sometimes people have to do these things because, yeah. you know, yeah. lifestyles change yeah. and lots of stuff. Um, and then 
do you like you obviously have notified the council to say that you've done yes. that to ensure that you yes. don't get that eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, so you, yeah, you must notify the council. Then they need to, you know, so it needs to be decommissioned basically, and um, yeah, and then they will, um, you know, make. But they'll, they'll send someone out to check that to make sure that that is the case. Yeah, um, and then once it's, uh, you know, they've updated their records, then um, that pool or spa has been decommissioned, and that's it. Um, so essentially, if you are selling your home or even letting a home mm-hmm. out, you'd be best to make sure that you've got those certificates in your Section 32 mm-hmm. and um, and to prove that you have actually told the council if you do or don't have your spiral pool still. Um, so there's no questions asked when it comes to the new purchases, really. Yes. Yeah, again, it just goes back to what I said earlier. I mean, you, you know, the onus yeah. is on the owner to comply. Yeah. Oh, there's some pretty eye-opening things out there, that's for sure. Okay, so um, we're going to have a small break and we're going to talk to Chris about things when we come back that can go wrong if you don't have an approved pool or spa, safety barrier around your pool or spa. Now, you're listening to Real Estate Right and we have the fabulous Chris Samartzis from the Master Pool Builders Association of Australia, formerly Sparsavik, on to talk to us about what you need to know in regards to your pool and spa safety barrier when selling, buying, or even leasing a property. Now, Chris, I know I've had trouble in the past when it comes to finance with banks wanting confirmation that there is improved pool or spa barrier around the pool or spa to hand the money over for purchasing property. Now, I know you can't speak on behalf of financial institutions, but what is your advice for, for buyers to ensure they don't have a hurdle when they're getting their finance approved for the purchase? Um, yeah, look, I certainly can't speak on behalf. I've never heard of banks refusing um, the finance yeah. money. I certainly I don't. <laughs> I mean, there's that many transactions that are happening. In fact, in fact, I think it's, you know, we're in the highest lending period ever in the history of this country. So... They're certainly lending money for homes, and I would dare say a lot of those homes have pools and spas in them. Um, I think just, look, yeah. to make, if there's ever any question, again, it gets back to making sure that on that, you know, within that Section 32, that there is a, uh, um, a barrier compliance certificate in place um, and that the inspection yeah. has been done. And if it's sort of been pre-done, because it's every four years, um, at least um, it's been lodged with council and everything's yeah. been ticked off, Put that in the documents, um, and then that way, if the bank, I couldn't, you know, if they ever do decide to ask that question, um, there's the yeah. information then there. So I don't think, um, you know, again, I've never heard of uh, banks sort of stopping. Yeah, I think I think we've had um, we had a small conversation about this a yeah. few weeks ago about how sometimes it's evaluations. It's actually not mm. the banks. The valuers will slightly will devaluate the property if there's not a fence barrier there and then that could cause issue in terms of well we think the house is worth less than what you are paying for it and therefore we're not offering the money to pay for it that kind of so look well that's an interesting one so that's sort of it's almost um not contradictory nature i can't think of the right word but um if there's a barrier not there then it's against the law Right. So, um, yes. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. So, if I'm a valuer and I, and I walk into a property and I look at this pool and there's no barrier, then I go, hang on, 
<laughs> there's something not right here. So it's probably well yeah. in his right to sort of report back on that and say, look, we valued the property. It's worth a um, million dollars. Um, by the way, there's no barrier around the pool. So um, it, there's certainly uh, an issue there. So if you're thinking of selling your home and you don't have a barrier around the pool, all I can say is that make sure you go and get a barrier around the pool because yeah. you are breaking the law. So, um, yeah. So essentially, like from the buyer's perspective, one, check that there's a pool safety yeah. barrier there when you inspect the property. Two, find out through the Section 32 if there ever was one and if it needs to be reinstated or what what the go is with it all. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, in, in if you're the purchaser, you're looking at that, and you and what you need to sort of um, ascertain is um, have they lodged a certificate of compliance with the council? Yeah. Have they registered their pool with the council? That's probably the first question I'd ask. Yeah. Now, like I said earlier, most have. Most people have done yeah. the right thing. And and if you're a seller, I mean, for the few dollars that it costs, just, yeah. And you know, you're selling a home that's at least you know, you would think 800000 plus, then um, it's a minor cost to pay um, yeah. to make sure that your sale process goes through smoothly. And if you're the purchaser, look out for it, you know, um, and the Section 32 should have, in my opinion, um, yeah. that information on there, um, yeah. you know, that they've lodged their, their um, registration with the council Um and for all intensive purposes, um, they've either had the property inspected um, yeah. and here is the certificate of compliance that's been issued by the um, building inspector and council. Um, so everything ticks off. Yes. Now, so that's important. And, and then that'll keep all parties happy and the transaction will be smooth. So there really shouldn't be any impediment. Um, it's just another thing to think about yeah. um, in that whole transactional process. Yeah. And I think that's where you have to understand it, it's about the smoothness of the transactions because mm. those banks can be lethal um, when it comes to being nitpicky about absolutely everything. And you just, if you can smooth out those transactions, or well, yeah. um, it will it'll work for you. In yeah, your yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yes, definitely. Mm. Now, you gave me a big list about <laughs> tenants and the new requirements there in yeah. under the Residency Act. Yeah. So what do landlords need to do to make sure that their pools and spas are compliant before and during a tenancy? Yeah, yeah. So, look, the new rental agreements, um, yeah. which includes prescribed safety activities for swimming pools and spas, um, yes. it sort of tries to, well, it, I think it clarifies the responsibility of the renter and the rental provider. Yes. Um, so the rental, the rental provider, provider is yeah. now... The, the old landlord. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're responsible for maintaining the swimming pool barrier in good repair. Yes. Um, so again, they can't just uh, wave away that responsibility. It's uh, really mm. important that uh, they're aware of that, and it gets back to the intent of the whole legislation, where responsibility lies with the owner. You know, they've got to arrange for repairs as an urgent repair. It's a bit like um, my smoke alarm doesn't work. Um, yes. You know, I get in contact with the agent. If there's an agent, the agent then passes on the cost, you know, to the landlord or the electrical has, has blown up, you know. So that's the things that the landlord has to be aware of. Um, they've got to provide the renter with a copy of the swimming pool barrier compliance. 
<clears throat> on request. Um, and again, I think agents will probably um, be all over that to ensure that those compliance certificates are in place, like they do with smoke alarms, like they do with um, gas works, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Then the renter has got some responsibility here as well. So they've got to notify the landlord or rental provider in writing of, of any faults. So <clears throat> let's say for whatever reason, I don't know, you know, a big gust of wind comes up and all of a sudden, you know, two panels of the barrier have uh, fallen sure. over or a tree's come out, fallen down yeah. and crushed the barrier. Well, they've obviously then need to uh, notify um, yeah. the rental provider. Usually it's through, through an agent if they're dealing, not dealing directly with the landlord, um, yeah. preferably in writing. Um, yes. Sometimes that's not always possible. It could be that urgent that you need to make that phone call. That's fine, but, you know, always try and put these things in writing. Um, And then there's also requirements for those relocatable swimming pools, Um, you know, the ones that uh, that can be moved around, um, moved it up and moved around. So renters must have appropriate approvals um, before they put them up, that portable swimming pool, um, and they've got to give notice to the landlord or slash rental provider before Mm -hmm. setting up that relocatable pool. So that there's basically it's a level of communication between the two parties um, to ensure the safety and um, so that, you know, one party knows what's happening. It's, it's not, you know, there's that responsibility on the owner, the landlord, the rental provider, calling yeah. call it, her or that person, whatever you want, but we'll just for these purposes, we'll just say landlord um, yeah. needs to be aware of what's going on. Yeah, that's um, really important. It's a bit like the gas, the gas leaking. You know, they need to know. And if and if the agent's acting on behalf of the landlord, then the agent needs to know. It's really important. Yeah. They're uh, on top of all this. And these sections within the Act: um, yeah. Section Three, Definition of Urgent Repairs; Section Seventy Two, Urgent Repairs; Section One Twenty Nine, Urgent Repairs. So you know, they can people can go through that and have a look at that Residential Tenancies Act of ninety seven. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing when I was living in my old fire station, I don't know, it was the last 10 years or so, when one of my neighbours, we had this big communal garden and, and parking area and it was no fence, and no, like in terms of um, there was no security gates to get the parking area, like it was all open to the public on a corner block and one of my neighbours thought that they'd put a portable spa in the back corner. <laughs> I'm guessing that wasn't compliant. <laughs> And it was right next to a primary school, so you know, we, yeah. you know, only kids could have come in. So these days, when you when you're putting in um, things like that, you virtually need permits. Um, yeah. yeah. So once you once you trigger a permit request from the council, then you know you're registering that um, particular item uh, with council. But these are then, tenants. These, yeah. yeah. Well, tenants. Well. Yeah, maybe they've got certain responsibilities as well. And, again, I talk about that level of communication between landlords and tenants. It's really important. Um, hopefully yeah. most landlords have good, reasonable tenants and most tenants have good, reasonable landlords. Um, now, we know that's not always yeah. the case, but um, let's be clear. I mean, there are penalties in place and there's onus yeah. of responsibility um, on both parties to um, a lot of extent. Um Look, we, you, we talked a little bit earlier about um, that Section 32 and, the, and um, that vendor's disclosure, and it just sort of feeds back into yeah. what we're talking a little bit about yeah. here. And I just wanted to 
raise that, you know, some people think that um, the certificate of compliance in the Section 32 is silent. However, the Section 32, the sale, um, or the Section 12 of the Sale of Land Act of 62 refers to material facts. If the pool fencing is not compliant, the owner must disclose that information. You know, the owner has a statutory obligation to know the fencing um, that must be compliant at settlement. And that obligation cannot be transferred to a buyer. Um, now, yeah. now, I'll raise that because I just want to um, sort of raise the importance of that communication component. And it is a two-way street. The tenant also then has to inform the owner if they've just decided to um, buy a, a wonderful brand-new spa and just plonk it in the backyard. Um, you know, that's important. It's a bit like owners say, you know, can I have a dog or, you know, I, I need to, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about doing this to the garage, um, yeah. et cetera. Do you mind? Yeah, that level of communication, it's just, it's a level of um, respect. And if both parties can have a yes. level of respect, then a lot of these issues will just be really smooth. So thanks again, Chris, for coming onto Real Estate Right. Uh, where should listeners go to get their pool and spa safety barriers compliant? Oh, so. It's lovely being here with you again, Sue, and as always, happy to um, talk any time. Look, the best way is to go to our website. You know, um, Go to our website. Yeah. It's got everything there. You want to look for a... So what's your website um, called? Oh, so M- MPB, mpbaa.com.au. MP, Master Pool Builders Association Australia, mpbaa.com.au. Um, you want to find a Master Pool Safety Inspector, go on there and we'll have a list of them there for you um, and they'll, um, they can help you. There's also great um, ideas you can get from looking at um, the awards pools um, in, in current yeah. previous years, so 2020. This year's one uh, it will be announced in the next month or so, so there'll be a whole range of them yeah. um, that they can look on there. But... There's a, a whole range of information. We also put out a consumer guide. Download the consumer guide. It's got a lot of great facts on there about pool ownership and spa ownership. So, um, yeah, and talks about fencing, barrier inspections, etc. So, again, it's really helpful. Um, and also, the VBA website's a good one too. And you can get you inspired. Come Victorian, the Victorian Building Authority. Yeah, oh, the VBA. We've got yeah. a lot of um, great, um, frequently yeah. asked questions and facts that you can sort of get information from so thank you for having me on once again that's okay thank you for coming on definitely check out those websites the mpbaa.com.au will give you lots of inspiration for uh, great pool fence ideas Um, so yeah go and check them out yeah we'll also have all your details in our show notes as well as our social media so you know check out chris and the master pool builders association of australia yeah, that's it. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. So next week is our Christmas show. Yes, this is the show where we look at how far we have come in our real estate ride world, where where we are going to go next year, and we will also have some Christmas gifts to give to some lucky listeners, so don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production, hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Francis Morello for his voiceover. Real Copyright is a leading real estate copywriting service throughout Melbourne. If you would like your property copywritten by Real Copyright, 
please book your copy through orders at realcopyright.com.au. If you would like us to help create more valuable real estate information for the people of Melbourne in this podcast, contact sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.